This is Governor Larry Hogan, and you're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, your go-to source for news and insight on Maryland policy and politics. Hello and welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with Michael Sanderson. Today on the podcast, we will discuss a little bit more about the Kerwin Education Commission. Specifically, we'll talk about the working group tasked with coming up with ways to provide more resources for at-risk students. That working group reported to the full commission yesterday. We'll give you a full report. We'll also talk about the road ahead and what we can expect from the Kerwin Commission when all is said and done. Michael, let's go ahead and jump right in. The Kerwin Commission met yesterday. They heard a report from the fourth working group that had been tasked to sort of go through and price out the preliminary recommendations that the commission made back before the 2018 session. So I I guess, I mean, maybe one way to start this a little bit is with a a bit of an apology that'll be a a hedged apology, right? Um, We we did some of this last week, but uh, we're going to cover the school funding work group again and for folks who have been listening to this pod each week, uh, we spent a good deal of time on it last week and probably, you know, four or five out of the last six or seven episodes, we have been at least mentioning the goings on of this group. And I understand that we're kind of doing that to some degree at the expense of other possible topics. Uh, we explained this a little bit, but there's there's a reason for that. Um, this this subject, what the state may do uh, in rearranging the structure of funding public education in the state, this is the biggest policy and political matter that the state is looking at. This is not just county governments as the only stakeholder here. I mean, there are some things that we've been talking about really from a county government perspective, and that's fine. That's our beat. But as a practical matter, there's a wide range of stakeholders here. This is about the Maryland economy. It's about our children's future. And it's also got massive repercussions for budget and fiscal issues. So this really is, I mean, we keep saying it, but this is center stage. Um, Honestly, you know, this is the right place for us to be spending a good deal of our time. So to, to folks who are frustrated by this, by the depth on this topic, I guess, you know, sorry, not sorry to some degree. And I mean, we do have some new information today, and I think we've tried to provide new information every time we talk about this, but I understand listeners may be a bit fatigued, but again, this is very, very important, and this is what's going on in Annapolis. This is the big news. And we're, we're pre-chewing this for you. I mean, as a, as a practical matter, the, the number of reports and, and the hours of debate that the commission itself has been going on, the number of things that have been generated by staff could easily occupy 10 times as much time as we're dedicating to it. We're just really scratching the surface on the nature of these reports. And, you know, people who are reading the item on the Conduit Street blog and then clicking through to the reports and so forth, they're the ones who are who are getting hip deep. We're really just just the toe in the pool here. But it's been week after week um, and we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. We do have some new information, though. We were waiting, if you recall, if you listened to our last episode, three of the four working groups had reported out to the full commission and they had given recommendations in their various subject areas. Working group four reported to the commission yesterday. And again, that work group has everything to do with 
more funding for at-risk students. And Michael, when we talk about at-risk students, currently in Maryland, in addition to the wealth-adjusted per-pupil foundation amount, school systems receive supplemental aid for every child who needs additional resources to receive a high-quality education. There are three at-risk programs currently in Maryland. Number one is the compensatory program that provides extra support for students coming from backgrounds of poverty. Number two is the limited English proficiency program that is providing extra funding for students who are learning English as a second language. And number three is the special education program, and that is designed to provide funding for students who receive special education services. And the whole idea here is that for these categories of students, Schools need more because it costs more to educate these children and provide them with a high-quality education. So in addition to that base funding amount, the state has said it costs more to educate these classes of children, so you deserve more money. So for each student in these categories, we'll provide you and the locals will provide you with more funding. And and the model here is... It's I'm I'm, I'm going to probably fail in the specifics, but in general, the model Maryland has followed is we went out and looked at successful schools that are having good outcomes and tried to back out what are the costs per student to provide a successful outcome from our education offerings and then cost that per student. But there was always a recognition that there are classes of students that are harder to educate harder to reach. We know know, special education is the obvious case. There are some students who need extra equipment or more time or more staff assistance and so forth. So there are extra costs that go with these classes of students. Um, Maryland has invested a good deal of time and research into trying to get these values right. This group was was directed to really drill down on those topics and, you know, do we need to revise the way we're looking at those? And so they reported out this week, it's another big component of what the commission's been looking at. We've known for a long time that the commission wants to provide more funding for at-risk students. The first report out that they made was about concentrations of poverty. Right now, what Maryland does as an extra component is we look at students in the school system who, based on family income, are eligible for either a free or reduced price meal. And that's that's a pretty easy proxy. I mean, it's something that we're already doing that kind of income testing. Um, The federal government, the Department of Agriculture is involved in all that sort of stuff. So we have data there. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good, reliable proxy for the students who are at risk because of limited family means. Right. Some of those students need more help. They may need more. Sometimes it's things like Head Start and and breakfast programs, but it's additional uh, in-class assistance and other things like that. So those kids can be more expensive to reach and get to succeed. We recognize that. We provide some extra funding. But today, we just basically do it on the pure headcount. Exactly. And what this working group has decided, they want to have a concentration of poverty weight in addition to the three weights that we just talked about before. And this concentrated poverty weight would be to provide more supports for students and their families that will enable them to succeed in school. And as you mentioned, you know, it's not just Head Start or, you know, free meals. There are wraparound services, too, that a lot of times these kids need in order to be successful in school. So, so the idea of the concentration change here is to say there's something nonlinear about these costs. And if, if you have two schools, one of which has 20 students who are poor kids and another, student, another class, a school that has 80% of students that are poor kids, 
right now our formula basically funds them on a four to one ratio. You've got four times as many poor kids, and so you get four times as much of the extra funding based on that student population. What this group, I think, aided by a good deal of academic research and the consultants who have been engaged here, are saying when you get to a school or a school district where huge numbers, a high percentage of the kids are from poor families, you've got a bigger issue. It's not four times as much. It may be 10 or 20 times as much of a need or a challenge in, in the education front. It becomes an issue for the entire school, for every student, regardless of what their socioeconomic status is. So, so to get those kids to succeed, we may be missing something the way we do it today. And I think that's that's sort of the under, underlying conclusion that this work group has reached and reported out on. But the details we haven't really seen yet, right? Right. What they're proposing is that there will be additional funding for each school in which a certain percentage of students are living in concentrated poverty. We don't know what that percentage is yet. Obviously, that will have an effect on the cost of this group and how this will be implemented. But they also, in addition to giving each school money, they will also give each school money for each student at the school as well. Mm -hmm. And that will be tacked on, again, to that base funding formula. Two bends of money, one for the school as a whole and then one for each student. And so this... This is another, I and mean, we've we've, as we've been talking about the commission and its work and findings. Sometimes we've taken a breath and said this is a departure from Maryland. So let me do the same thing and say this is a pretty big sidestep because Maryland has historically, when, when we build schools, we understand that this is a school project and the money's going for this particular building. But generally speaking, you know, state school funding and county school funding mm-hmm. is not parsed out saying this state dollar is heading for that particular school or for that particular program. It's effectively been, here's the state commitment to the entire school system for all of Dorchester County. And the school board in Dorchester County is the one who makes the decisions of what pro- what programs do we fund in der- different areas and so forth. Like That's always been a school board local decision. Here, because the argument for extra funding may be at the school level as opposed to school system level, that we might see a a finer, sort of a finer distribution here than we're used to seeing from the state. The idea being, okay, Dorchester County, you're getting these funds, but it's because of this school and that school, and these dollars need to go there. The idea would be that for schools that got this funding, the school board would have to provide a plan of how that money will be used to help students. A lot of this fixed funding will be used to hire a community schools coordinator and a health services practitioner, not only for the students, also for their families, because I think this commission realizes that a lot of a student's success depends on their home life. And if they can't get some of those services at home, they need to provide them through a community school. And then also there's a very ambiguous phrase in here that says local governments would be expected to demonstrate support through meaningful partnership and support that is supplemental to and does not supplant existing efforts. Very ambiguous. There isn't much detail there. The component here about local governments, there's really not anything you know set in stone. So we'll have to wait for the final details of this of this work group. All right. So so philosophically, I think they've they've sketched the outline of what this work group wants to do. Uh, I think a, as a notion, this was well received by the full body. I mean, you were in the room. I was watching online, but. Uh, I, I think the group generally received this positively, so I think it's likely to think that 
in their final report. They're going to embrace this idea. The specifics, you know, come later. At what degree of concentration do you start the extra funding, and what does it look like? And we, we have to wait and see there. Um, I also, I confess, you know, I'm a legislative guy. I think in terms of bills, I don't know how you write the bill that says this extra funding for Dorchester County is going to be directed to these particular schools that trigger it. Um, we don't have a mechanism that works like that right mm-hmm. now. Is that just a function of the school board reports back that they complied with the intent? You know, they, they, they did so. Or does the money actually go into a separate bucket and get all of its own you know, separate accounting and so forth? I don't know. We talk a lot about the commission considering how they're going to implement these recommendations, how they're going to hold school boards accountable, that might be part of this accountability yeah, piece. Yeah, could be. The second part of this work group is special education students. We talked about the special weight for special ed students in Maryland currently, that is 0.74. It's another 74%, right? right. So for every, if, 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 you know, for every $100 you'd be contributing toward the regular costs, we had an extra layer of another $74. And this group spent some time and, again, worked with the academic research and consultants to try and figure out, is that number correct or have we missed the mark? And they've come back saying we, they think we've missed the mark. More work to be done, but they, they're thinking, yeah, at least for now, it's got to come up. Yeah, and it gets complicated because last session there was a Kerwin bill uh, with all of the preliminary recommendations. And part of that bill was that the General Assembly was going to study the special education weight and what it should be. That study will be ongoing. So for now, this working group has recommended a stopgap weight until that special education study is complete. And that stopgap weight is 2.18. So essentially tripling the current level of you know extra money for special education students. And it's interesting that total state and local expenditures on special ed was about $1.5 billion in FY15. And of that, the state provided $272 million, and that's about 17.3%. Counties accounted for the remaining $1.296 billion. And what this weight is going to do, it will mean that there will be a significant amount of state money coming in on top of what they currently provide. As far as we know, that's not going to change the county contribution, but there won't be any sort of restrictions on what they can repurpose that money to do since they're going to be getting all this extra state money. So, so as, a, as a practical matter, I guess partially what they're saying here is by virtue of having too low of a multiplier that the state has been leaving it to the county funds to really do the lion's share of the effort to provide special ed services that are needed. And That's right. I mean, as, as we know, I mean, education is an entitlement, and as a practical matter, this is the kind of thing that can get litigated. The, the particular offerings for a, a certain student or for groups of students, this is a matter of an entitlement. It's in the state constitution. There's also federal constitutional protections here. So this is, this is a matter where you've got to deliver special education to the students who need it. This isn't a matter of, oh, this multiplier means the schools are just, you know, trickling down a big stream of extra funds and then get to run around with it. By virtue of having too low of an extra multiplier here, the state's been doing an awfully small share of the load here. So, I mean, 
on a certain level, the idea is okay. The state should should bear you know bear its fair share of these costs. That sounds reasonable. How do you follow through with that is tricky again because we don't have we don't really have a state and local system that has those kind of accountability avenues. That's right, and yeah, you're exactly right. They're saying the state has not been putting up enough money. This is being picked up by the locals, so this will increase the state share, and therefore you'll have a lot of extra money to repurpose in these local school systems. And we know there's there's an aggressive advocacy community also that you don't want to have a disincentive to a school system or to school administrators to you know, refuse to classify kids in special needs categories for fear that that will trigger an unfundable entitlement. So, you know, if you make the funding formulas more honest as a reflection of the real costs that are involved, partially that can result in more students getting the the correct, you know, the ideal diagnosis and and the follow through that 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 they that they really need to succeed. Absolutely. And then the last piece here of this work group, we'll go through this quickly because again, they really haven't refined this recommendation. This has to do with English learner students. So according to this work group, the English learner weight should be increased to provide a family liaison. You know, that liaison could provide translation services uh, between parents and school personnel, cultural competency training, things of that nature. We don't have a recommendation on what the weight should be, so more work to do there, but they do want to increase this weight as well. They think that's very important. Okay, so so globally, this group was charged to take a fresh look at the extra funding weights we grant to these three broad classes of students that we know are more costly or more difficult to bring to educational success. And in all three cases, they've said we need to fine tune or add a new layer to what Maryland's doing. And in each case, it's going to end up increasing the price tag for the overall commitment to educational success. That's the perfect way to wrap it up. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to look ahead. We're going to try and figure out what's next for this commission and what the final product may look like. We'll talk about that and more after the break. back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here again with Michael Sanderson. Michael, I hate to say it, but it sounds like we were wrong last week when we said we should start to see these spreadsheets and the breakdown of costs right. at yesterday's meeting. I feel badly about that, but we really thought yesterday would be the day. Turns out, not so much. They heard this work group report out, and there was some detail about their recommendations and so forth, but um, then they end up hearing some other presentations on on other issues and educational approaches and and so forth, but it sounds now like the timetable's back at least a few more weeks before we get to that sideways sheet of paper day. Right. So the plan for now is that they will have another meeting on September 21st. About two weeks. Two weeks from now, and before that meeting, they are going to get some public input. So they're asking the public to provide any input they have by September 14th. They'll compile all of that data, they'll parse it out to the various work groups, and then those work groups will meet again, even though they've already reported to the commission, they'll meet again, they'll look at the input that they've gotten, decide whether or not they want to incorporate any of that into their reports to the commission. Once they do that, 
I would imagine that we'll start to see some numbers. So really, I think it's safe to say probably about a month out before we would see any kind of the spreadsheets that you love so much. So I, I think that's that's the reality is this is probably going to be a few weeks down the road. And I mean, what they're, what they're doing makes sense. If it weren't for the fact that we're getting close to now their working deadline of three years, um, if it weren't for the fact that we're sort of butting up against the edge of that, this would make sense, right? The, 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 the subgroups have made their general recommendations. They've gotten some feedback from the full, full group, and that might require some refinement. You, you run things out before the stakeholders, particularly the, you know, the 50 or 100 people that have been sitting in the audience for each of these meetings, but nominally to the whole public. Hey, we've got we've got the sketches of our ideas. What do you think? Right. And where should we draw these lines and so forth? So they'll hear all that. What should pre-K look like? What's this idea of doubling down on our investment in teachers? What about special education? All the things that you and I have been talking about, the commission has been talking about. So stakeholders pipe up, the, the public weighs in, and then maybe they make changes based on that. Then you send the analysts and you send the consultants back to their spreadsheets and say, okay, run the numbers. What would this cost us? And then it's going to be, I mean, if it's two, three weeks for all that input and another week or two for analysis or whatever, yeah, it's probably October. five weeks, right? So we're into October by then. And so, Michael, it doesn't sound like this commission is going to have time to take up any new issues. And that's somewhat disappointing because... A lot of the stuff that we have been talking about with our membership doesn't seem like it's going to be addressed by this commission. And this was the window to talk about a lot of this stuff that you know we've mentioned before here on the podcast. We had a county-level work group digging into a lot of this stuff. Counties had their own work groups, and we're talking about things like how we calculate wealth, how we calculate the cost of living, declining enrollment. Talk a little bit about that and whether or not you think there will be time to take this stuff up before their December deadline. So there's, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things here. I mean, one is for the over the last two or three years, um, the Mako president and I, and sometimes you and your your policy team colleagues, you know, we have been meeting with the elected officials from around the state. Mako does this over the course of the year. We try and get onto the agenda for the county commissioners or we grab lunch or whatever and just sort of talk through their local issues. We want to hear some things from the from the membership upward and that's that's a helpful thing for us. But there's lots and lots of counties that have been watching what's going on with school funding. They know there's this big commission that was impaneled to look at all these issues. And I've lost count of the number of places that have said, you know, our problem is our enrollment is declining. And we take a double whammy from that. Not only are there fewer students to fund, but then it makes us look like we're wealthy and we get we get penalized on our dollars per student. So we get a double hit. Shouldn't shouldn't we smooth that out in some way? Um, And what I've been saying to that county in good faith for the last two years has been Kerwin's going to get into this. And, and so even though that's not what they're talking about right now, it's going to be on their agenda, and the School Funding Commission is going to look at those kind of funding issues. It may, it may not be the sexiest stuff they get into, but they're going to attend to that kind of stuff. Right, and I think you were right in saying that because the consultants that the state hired to take a look at this, that was a big component of their report. And it was our understanding, and I think 
the commission yeah. planned on getting to all of that, but now it just seems like they're running out of time. Right. I mean, I, I've, I've still got this stack of reports, uh, mostly coming from from APA, the Augenblick firm that the state spent you know a million bucks of taxpayer dollars to bring in and do all this analysis on all these technical issues and. I, I, I'm not alone in thinking the idea was you do technical work up front with a consultant and you hand those work products to the commission so that they have a running start and can tackle these issues without having to start from square one. Right. And so, I, I mean, they brought a stakeholder group together. I personally was on the stakeholder group and I went to all these meetings with the consultant and we talked about all these formulas. There's a whole report on the size of school buildings and what does that mean to outcome. Uh, we spent all sorts of time about the cost of living by region or by county of the state and is the way Maryland reflects that in our funding formulas. Are we doing that right? right. And, I mean, their conclusion was no. They think we should do it differently. So that felt like it was a topic that was ripe to be explored by the by the, the Kerwin Commission. Tons of time on the way we do the wealth formula. Yeah, that's a big issue. Yeah, yeah I mean, we hear that a lot. Um, right now, the wealth formula just takes a look at your tax bases, runs them through sort of a meat grinder formula and says, okay, you're wealthy and you get relatively little funds. Well, why is that the case? We got jurisdictions where two thirds of their kids are in this class of free and reduced price meals being told you're so wealthy you need to be spending more than you know we have some of the wealthiest jurisdictions in the united states are here in maryland but a relatively poor county like worcester is being told spend more than montgomery that's a strange outcome from these formulas they'd say so and i think the 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 consultants said this is worthy of a look um, I'm, I'm going on a little bit, but as a practical matter, it looks like the Kerwin Commission is just not going to not going to turn over these stones. So, Michael, what do we do then? I mean, are they just going to skip these topics? Will they kick it to a study, more work groups, or will they just not address this and kick it to the General Assembly? I mean, what what do you think happens here? I think I think any of those are possible. Like we've already seen you made mention on on special education I think there was there was a quick consensus that the the details of a more complex and nuanced multiplier for special education that might take into account different um, you know different strata of kids and the severity of their special needs and so forth. That's that's maybe more than this commission can chew off. Right. So okay, fine, uh, take that, isolate it, make it make it a separate study, and we might fund a placeholder number until then. Could you do the same thing with some of these other topics? But I mean, what do you do? We, we, we had placeholder legislation already for special taxing districts and how should that affect your wealth formula? Mm-hmm. All based on the assumption that Kerwin was going to tend to this. Uh, I don't know whether the commission will just be silent, whether they will reference these as issues worthy of somebody else's time or study. Um, will they try and give some lip service to these topics in, between now and November? I don't know what lies ahead, but it seems almost impossible for the commission to take them up, learn about them, digest them, make meaningful recommendations, and put them into a final report. I mean, they're just they're just out of time. Yeah, I mean, to do that, I think you'd have to bring in county folks, right? People who make budgets, who collect taxes, and you'd have to talk to them and have meetings to understand how this currently works. And there doesn't seem to be time to do that. We've already gone through these four working groups. It seems like that's the direction they're going to go. Right. I mean, I mean, we I think we feel a little bit like saps here. But if this were going to be one of the outcomes from this working from from the commission, then it would have been its own working group. 
the you know the nuts and bolts of financing could have been a fifth working group and there could have been six commission members dedicated to spend time on this and come back having looked at all this stuff in detail like they did with the at-risk students and so forth so i mean i think by by this not making that list we kind of thought it was going to be saved for later i think they're out of time for later I think so, too. And, Michael, another big big piece of this, which so far has been pretty much ambiguous, is the role of county funding here. I gave you a quote earlier about counties will be expected to make contributions and form partnerships, but who's going to pay for what? The state's going to be responsible for this. Counties, you're going to be on the hook for this. It's all very ambiguous so far. So I think, I mean, this commission, I think, is a is a it's a unicorn. This is a one-of-a-kind circumstance. So as, as, a, as a practical matter, um, how much of what would have to be in legislation is even going to really be spelled out by the commission? I think with the idea that this commission ends by the end of this year and issues a report, um, it certainly seems possible that they may just frame things in broad senses. There may be some things where they say the new multiplier is this. These are the classes of students who ought to get pre-K, and this is how the state ought to fund it, and, and, and so forth. But then leave other things just as aspirational directions. I mean, there, I don't think there's any chance this commission is going to look at how should the state find the means to fund whatever its share of these obligations are? And that's, right. that may be beyond their charge, and, and that's fine. But the question of how do you rewrite the entire decades-old body of law about maintenance of effort and local local funding uh, levels and you know the state role in stepping in and enforcing that and the accountability at the funding level um, – they haven't spent much of any time on that. I don't know how they can become experts by Thanksgiving on that subject. And, you know, maybe that's just another thing where it's left that it'll come out of a black box, that we'll see a bill introduced, and lo and behold, there'll be 15 pages of new law about how local funding from education works. And it'll nominally be the Kerwin bill, but it will not really have come from the Kerwin Commission. So it sounds like a lot of this stuff, they'll be giving directives to the General Assembly at a 30,000-foot level and then saying, you dig in, fill in the blanks here. This is our broad consensus of what we think we should do, but you're going to have to fill in the blanks. I, it, it seems like to be done this year, you're going to have to see some of that. I mean, yeah, they're... They're only at the 35-yard line here. <laughs> yeah, you can't walk off the field just yet. I mean, but speaking of being done this year, I, I want to mention that yesterday Dr. Kerwin made it very clear, Michael, that they will not be pushed. He said they are going to do this the right way. They're going to take the time that it you know that it's going to take to do it the right way, that this is too important for them to be pushed forward and not to take the time they need to do this the right way. So, I mean, so, so you and I have, have put our heads together and we're trying to figure out what does that mean. And you know, one possible interpretation would be this is the chair intimating that the group may need, again, more time. You're setting the table, right? right? I mean, that's, so that's, that's possible. I don't, I don't think we want to jump 
to that conclusion yet. And I don't think we can because we've heard him say that before, but he said yeah. we need more time. It and he wasn't, was clear as a bell. He was, in, right. in, in the fall of 2017, when they were at a deadline to be done in that year for the 18th session, he came out and said this commission's not going to be done this year. We need more time and we're going to ask for it. I mean, they never took a vote, but it was a quick consensus in the room. And we walked out of there saying that's a done deal. They're going to get another year. Right. Um, this didn't sound like that. And because he's been willing to be that clear, I, I don't know what that means, whether it, whether he's defending the integrity of their process, which I think he has a right to do. Yes. Uh, or or it's something else. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, that was an intriguing com- you know, comment to sort of you know, leave leave a September meeting with uh, saying, you know, we're going to we're going to get through this and get it done the right way. And it makes, yeah, it is intriguing because as we've just mentioned, there's a lot that they haven't covered yet. So possible that they do get to that stuff. Obviously, we, they would need more time. We don't know that for sure. But I think a little bit of defending the integrity of their process and of the commission, of course. But possibly, could they ask for more time? It's always possible. There's a lot more on the table, a lot more to get done. We will have to wait and see. So again, their next meeting will be September 21st. We anticipate after that meeting, it'll be about a month before we start to see the spreadsheets that you and I would love to take a look at. So, so do we think that next week we can we can guarantee a Kerwin-free podcast? Do we think we can do that? I don't think you can ever guarantee it, but <laughs> I think we're going to do our best. We'll do our uh, best. To we'll, give you a break. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll talk about some other stuff. That's good. All right, so we will be back next week. Until then, Michael and Kevin signing off. As always, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Give us a like. It really helps get our message out. Tell your friends. Until next week, Michael and Kevin signing off. We'll talk to you soon.